Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. I don't know. There, there are things that happen in the world, and that's it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Things I, that happen in the world. I guess I could go over all the things that happened to us this week, and... Go over the same stuff about how the the show is getting passed around by different people and how we're happy about it and everything. But it's just, it gets gets really old to me. Well, yeah, but I mean, you could actually just, I don't know, talk. Yeah, but to, like just jump right into the news. It's, you know, no lube, just, <laughs> just right in. Bending over, yep. So... We do have a new account where you can send us electronic mail. What are the, what's it called? It's an inbox, right? It's called email. Yeah, I know, but what's the what's the actual thing called? What, what do you mean the actual thing? The thing. What is our thing? What what late fee? Late fee, nineteen ninety four. Oh, okay. I think. I don't know. Hang on. Let me let me check. I think I have it written down here in my pocket. All right. Carol's going to check. She's got it written down. I'll play a little bit of the Jeopardy music while we wait. <laughs> do, 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 do. Merv Griffin probably would sue us if I used to much well, of this. You're assuming that you sound enough like the music. Little Shop of Horrors is a good movie. Yeah, you don't like that? I like that movie. Yeah, it was on. It was on Channel Twenty on Saturday. Okay, so it's it's late fee nineteen ninety four. That's what I thought. With the at symbol aol dot com. Okay, so what is that called? Is that called an inbox? Yes. So that. That's our inbox. That's Late the fee address ma- that they send the mail oh, to. Oh, okay. So that's our email address. Yes. LateFee1994 gotcha. at AOL.com. All right. So that is that. And now the news. Speaking of 1994, the year it is. Oh, I should say, I keep forgetting to say, every time we do this, and I like to do this because I don't actually go to the trouble of labeling these tapes very often so i like to say the the date right on on the top it is august 20th 1994 everybody and so speaking of 1994 the year that we're in there's a new movie on hbo called the enemy within have you heard of it carol no i know you don't have hbo i have HBO, one of the reasons that Carol dates me. Yes, just so I can, uh, you know, watch watch stuff at your house. That's that's the whole package right there. Yep. Well, speaking of the whole package, that's what that's what happens. Carol comes to over to my house, and then we quote watch HBO in my bedroom. <laughs> so the enemy within star- stars Sam Waterston, Dana Delaney, Forrest Whitaker, and Jason Robards. Apparently, it's sort of a remake of Seven Days in May, the the 1960s movie. And it's about a military coup of the United States. Huh, interesting. Yeah, very, very, very weird. You're you're totally going to want to watch this, aren't you? It's very, it sounds very interesting to me. So the time period's supposed to be, it's the late 1990s. So it's five years from now or so. Iraq and Iran are allies. Which is weird to think about. Right. And North Korea is a fully nuclear power. And Jason Robards is the the big general guy. And he is, he doesn't like Sam Waterston, the the, the president, because he's a peace-loving, like, ineffectual leader. Okay. We recently bought a fish. (laughs) And... and (laughs) 
Instead of actually listening to what I'm saying and taking a part in this show, like she should, Carol's just staring at the fish. It's pretty. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty, and um, I love you. Uh huh. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to all of our listeners, and I will be much more engaged going forward. I was going to say some stuff about how the Facts of Life is on USA. There's a marathon this weekend of the Facts of Life. and You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and then you have the Facts of Life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, guys. But I don't know. Uh, my my the wind's been taken out of my sails. Aww. You ever, Honey, you ever I'm watch, paying attention you. ever you. watch Brooklyn Bridge? No. Okay. Well, it was a TV show that was on. Now it's on, it got canceled, yeah, it's like Twin Peaks did, and now it's on some small cable channel called uh, Bravo. Bravo. And I guess they have a segment called TV, Too Good for TV. And it's supposed to be TV shows that were good and critically acclaimed but canceled because they didn't get enough viewership. And they uh, they have that. They have Brooklyn Bridge and Twin Peaks as part of that. So, interesting idea. You know, I guess if something gets canceled, Bravo... Well, no, that's Encore. That'd be an Encore, but what I was thinking, the the analogy I was thinking, but I guess uh, bravo to the creators of those <laughs> shows. I know, what's his name? David something. I can't think of it. He's a director, though, that created Twin Peaks. Weird guy. <laughs> Weird movies. Speaking of TV. Yeah. Um, you know, next week... We have a new show premiering, and I'm so excited. Yeah, I've seen the commercials for it called... What's My it called? So-called My... Life. Yeah. And, I mean, it just it looks awesome, and I love her hair, and I kind of want to dye my hair like her hair. Oh, it's very red. Yeah, she's a cute girl. What's, what's her name again? Claire Danes, I think. Claire Danes. Okay, so, yeah. She... And Jared Leto. Jared Leto. I yeah. don't know who that is, but well, he's the the guy. What guy? There's a guy in the commercials. The the, With gay the dark one? hair. No. Okay, I know. Okay, so what I know about the show from the from the previews that we've seen on the commercials is that there's the gay guy, her friend. The, the girl that's her friend mm-hmm. with the weird hair. I like her hair, too, but I want the red. Then Claire Danes, that's who you say her name is. And, yeah, okay, oh, so there's, yeah, there's the guy that she likes. Yeah, I don't, with oh, the dark hair. So his name is Jared Leto. Yes. All right. Sounds good. But, yeah, we're looking forward to that. She thinks that that, that, will, be, uh, that, that will be good. And, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It looks good. I'm excited. I could be totally wrong. Maybe it'll suck, but we'll see. Maybe. Maybe not. Anyway, so, speaking of television, though, we did watch an episode of 90210. Carol, can you take us through 90210? So, this one was was a really interesting episode. Uh, This one featured Brandon more than uh, Brenda. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, um, you know, he is always getting the girls. Like, every episode he gets a girl, and then by the end of the episode, he loses the girl. Yeah, that is that's that is true. We're about 14 episodes in to the series so far, and I think he's maybe had 12 different girlfriends. Right. Starting with that blonde one that we never saw again. Yeah, we never see any of them again. It is weird. But anyways, he meets this one sitting under a tree. Yeah. Um, she's singing, wearing headphones, and, and has her back to the tree and doesn't realize he's on the other side hearing her. And, you know, it's kind of cute, whatever. And a they, cute way to meet, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, they talk about how she's learning Latin and wants to go to Harvard and, you know, apparently, uh, brains turns him on. So I guess he, but you know, she's older than him. She's a senior and he's a junior and, um, he can't stop thinking about her. So he looks her up in the, um, high school directory to get her phone number, Mm -hmm. which like is kind of weird to me. Like. I don't. I don't put mine in the directory. I don't want everybody to have my number. Do you? Do you, is yours in there? I never even looked in. The, looked in it. No, I didn't put. I. I know. I know one goes around. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that's more compulsory for larger schools, I guess, than maybe our school. It. It, it looks like West Beverly High is a pretty large school. Yeah. And but yeah, I don't. Yeah, mine's not in there, and I, I've never checked anyone's, honestly. Yeah, I've never used it, so. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's honestly, like, I kind of forgot they even existed until I saw him pull it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so he looks her up, and, and uh, then Kelly and Brenda are, like, encouraging him to call her, which is weird because kind of have the impression that Kelly already has a crush on him. Well, we think, yeah. But, you know, she's pushing him to date this this girl. I know that's what you're hoping for. Well, we already know from season five that they're going to end up together. Well, at least for a while, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't know what what's going to happen down the road, but yeah. I mean, they definitely end up in bed together. Mm-hmm. Um, and on vacation, weirdly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, he goes out with her and they're having a fine time. And when she brings him home at the end of the date, she says there's someone she wants him to meet. Oh, I called this, too, because of the title of the episode. Yeah. Gave me a clue. And the fact that she said he asked her out for Friday. Oh, yeah. She said she was babysitting because and, and Kelly and Brenda told him that that's the oldest excuse in the book. And if she says that, don't believe it, whatever. And he says, oh, you're babysitting. What about Saturday? Oh, you're babysitting again. And he said, well, they they basically, Kelly said, hey, hang up before you... Humiliate yourself further. Right. But instead, he argues with her. And he says, come on, no one's babysitting that much. This is a cop out. If you don't want to go out with me, just say so. And then she says, oh, well, maybe I can get somebody to cover for Friday. And he says, oh, okay, so then they arrange their date. And I said right then, and the title of the episode is, what is it, One Man and a Baby or something yeah, like that? Yeah, One Man, One Baby, something like that. And I said, she's got a kid. She has a baby. And at the end of the episode, we find out. Not at the end of the episode, at the end of their date. At the end of the date, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we find out she has a baby. You were right. You're right. very smart. Joey, is that his name? Yes. Yeah, he's like, oh, what, your little brother? What's the big deal? And she's like, no, he's not my little brother. He's my son. So. Yeah. And then Brandon. <laughs> the look on his face yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, he looks like she just kicked him in the crotch. Oh, yeah. Um, So they go out again, despite Steve uh, Steve's best efforts in telling him to not mm-hmm. mess with her. Um, Steve says, most girls would have taken care of it. Yeah, Steve is such an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, most most girls would take care of the problem. Brandon's like, maybe she didn't think of it as a problem. Right. He says, well, you should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So they, they go out again. But this time she brings the baby with her mm-hmm. because her parents are out of town. Right. Yeah. So she's like, do you know any noisy restaurants we can go to? So he takes her to the peach pit. And Did you get the impression when... The bit when Nate for Nat. that's his date Nat. Yeah. When Nat first came over, that he was kind of a dick. <laughs> like, yeah, it was so weird. He seemed completely put out. He's like, oh, no, this is just what I want. You know, like he seemed like he was a total asshole. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think he he was joking, but he wasn't doing a very good job of seeming like it. Like it was I supposed guess. to be sarcastic. I guess. I don't know. I, he just he, later he strikes me as nicer. Now maybe he gets better as an actor. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, but um, I I don't I don't know. I lost my train of thought now with the whole. Nap they go to thing. the peach pit. Okay, yeah, and so they when he gets home, he tells his parents about or no, he doesn't even tell them. Then he's just hinting at it. He's like, 
oh, how did you guys do it with, you know, two babies with me and Brenda yeah. at the same you know, all this stuff. And, you know, so, you know, I'm sure it was so exhausting. And um, I don't think he didn't tell them then, though, did he? It's later. He did. Okay. He He didn't tell them after their first date when he meets the baby at the end of the day. He tells Brenda. And Brenda says, oh, my gosh, what are you going to do? All this stuff. There's also a subplot of her calling a radio station, yeah. which sort of intersects with this. But then the the second date, which is what you're talking about when they go to the restaurant, at the end of the second date, he mentions that she has a child and that he really likes her. But if it's if it's a if he does never sees that baby again, it'll be too soon. Yeah, or something like, like what that. an idiot. Then don't go out with her. Yeah, they that's when a woman has a baby, they come as a pair. Right. Yeah. That was I mean, that was like literally the stupidest thing. I can't believe his parents didn't say something. Yeah. I mean they More. they know. <laughs> but um he decides to keep dating her. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, no, the next morning it's the next morning, isn't it? When she shows up because her parents are out of town. Yeah. And um she just shows up at the door with the baby and says her babysitter canceled. For her interview at Harvard. Yeah, she, someone's coming over to interview her to get into Harvard. That's her dream, is to go to Harvard University. So, she literally just shoves the baby at him. He's like, what are you going to do? And she shoves the baby in his arms. Yeah, and says, oh, I'll, I'll be back soon. <laughs> he has no idea how to take care of a baby. He doesn't know how to make a bottle. He doesn't know how to change a diaper. And everybody leaves him. Yeah. Now, luckily, his mom is there. Uh, but then she goes out with his dad immediately. Yeah. And then Brenda shows up with Kelly. And he says, oh, Brenda, you can help me. And she says, oh, we're going to our skydiving lessons. Right. Which comes up, which is part of the subplot we'll get to later. And then Steve comes over. And the two of them take care of it. Well, but Steve ends up leaving him, too. Eventually, but he does help him for a while. Yeah, and, and somebody, one of the girls had said, haven't you seen Three Men and a Baby? So they try to rent the movie Three Men and a Baby, like they're going to figure out, like it's an instructional video. Right. Idiots. <laughs> but he does something similar to Three Men and a Baby, when he, where he tapes the diaper yeah. on the baby. How How is it that hard to figure out the little little strippy things on the sides? Now, I have changed my nephew's and niece's diapers. Yeah, same here. And it's not that hard. No, it's not complicated at all. I think it's one of those weird things that... Now, maybe back, way back when, when they used the reusable diapers a lot, those cloth diapers, and you had to do the pins and things like that, I could see that getting complicated. But with the, the disposable diapers, it's pretty easy. You know, my I my I've heard this story from my grandma before that um when they had those cloth diapers and the pins, my uncle cried through an entire church service because she had pinned through his skin oh, and god. had not realized. Oh my god. Oh, it's so awful. Yeah, I'm glad we don't we don't have those anymore. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> So she shows up after Steve has left him because the cable goes out. Yeah, cable went out, and they wanted to watch. He wanted to watch the game. So I mean, he's finally gotten the baby fairly, you know, chill, and they're going to listen to the game because they lost picture but not sound. Yeah, this big is, day of bonding for right. him and the baby. So this is the point when she shows up, and you can tell she's all like stressed out and upset. And apparently, this Harvard interviewer was an asshole, and said, "Real conservative guy." Yeah. Said that he thought that it would be hard for her to go to school and have a baby at the same time. But, I mean, that's <laughs> like, you know, common sense. I mean, I think he was a dick to say it. I think he probably should have kept it to himself. I mean, the interview is part of the process. So you're going to deny her. Deny her. You don't need to make her feel bad about who she is. Well, I think she should have turned it into a positive, honestly. Yeah. I think you could spin that into a positive pretty easily and say, look, a lot of women my age would have had an abortion, would have given the baby up for adoption, would have shirked their responsibilities. I felt even though the father didn't want to take responsibility for his part in the, you know, what happened and, and why I ended up pregnant, I I felt like I should take responsibility for that. And I did the right thing and I'm raising my son and I'm bound and determined to be successful and show him 
what a successful woman is and rah, rah, rah. And she definitely could have turned it into something positive. She could have, but honestly, it it doesn't change the facts. And the facts are that he's right, that I don't, I mean, Harvard, come on. I mean, she, she can't, it would be almost impossible. No, she's an idiot. I, I agree. She, if she thinks, and here's the thing, if they lived in Boston, mm-hmm. then maybe that would be okay to go to Harvard. Or if she wanted to go to maybe Stanford University or UCLA or right. something like that. Something local where she can stay with her parents still. Then that's also another option. But to travel all the way across the country, just you and your child. Your baby child. To a place where you don't know anyone. You know, you need a support system. Anyone does. Even, yeah. even if you're, even if you have a job. And you have, and you're married, and all that stuff. Even if you do it the way you're quote unquote supposed to do it, you still need people to help you. You still need grandparents to help, babysitters. It's not easy to raise, you know, children. You still need people around you, right? So to yeah, that to me is ridiculous that she thinks she's going to go across the country and do that. And I don't understand. I mean, I realize that it was always like the family's dream, not just her own. For her to go to Harvard, but her parents should have talked to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless they're just deluded too. Well, who knows? I, we we don't get we don't get a chance to see the mom other than her saying at the door saying, "No, I go go ahead and have fun. I've got it." Right. And we don't see the dad at all. Right. So who knows? But um, so they have a big fight because, and I I don't remember what set her off, but she like goes off on Brandon. And he didn't deserve it, and it's because she's upset about her interview. She said that she, she, oh, because he taped the diaper, I think. Oh. And she said, what do you do? You know, she's all upset and everything. And he's, and he rightfully says, you know, I don't want to take care of a child. And, right. You know, I don't know what you're doing to me here. Yeah, and he's like, you know, we had a rough start, but we figured it out, and, you know, and like, the fact that he was willing to try, the fact that he wanted to put in the time and the effort, and she's going to sit there and yell at him, stupid. Agreed. And then he goes to make up with her, shows up at the door with baby bottle bouquet. It was kind of cute. Oh. Um, you know, so so they make up, and um, she, towards the end of the episode, has now decided that uh, she's going to do a half of a schedule yeah, she's going to do half of her schedule and then go home and take care of the baby for the other half of the day. And it'll take her an extra semester to graduate, but that's fine with her. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like she's getting a little more realistic. At one point, she she had wanted to, like, leave the baby. And, I mean, there was, like, there was a lot. She had a moment of doubt where she wanted to... She wanted to throw the baby in a well. She did not. And, well, I mean, that's how you made it sound. But the, no, she had a moment of doubt where she wanted to give the baby up for adoption and and all that. But she got over it. Because she said she loved Joey, but she didn't feel like she could have her dreams with him. Yeah, she said that she felt guilty when she wasn't around him. But then she... And she but then she liked him when she came home or no she felt guilty whether she was with him or not yeah she wanted to get away from him but then she missed him the whole time she was there until she got to see him again right all that kind of stuff which is all it sounds like you know like i don't know i've heard mom say stuff like that before yeah i would think i I mean who knows i don't know but um so i mean oh and then um brenda and kelly they, this whole time, first of all, they they finally they finally win something from the radio station that they keep calling, and oh, yeah. Brenda's so excited to have won something that even though she's terrified of heights, she wants to use her uh, skydiving. skydiving lessons. Yeah, two skydiving lessons for two people. So her and her and Kelly do this, even though her parents tell her they don't want her to. Which I mean, she's a teenager. How how did she manage to do that? Yeah, I don't know. She's not 18, so how can she win without her parents' permission? Well, I don't know about winning, but I mean, as far as like taking skydiving lessons, you'd think that there'd be some kind of forms to sign, waiver, you know? Oh, yeah, because you could die. Right. 
But anyway, so they're, like, fighting over the instructor because apparently they think he's hot, whatever. And uh, then they get into an actual argument on the plane at the last day, and they fall out of the plane. Yep. So, but Brenda says it's changed her whole perspective, and it was so wonderful, and blah, 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 blah. She loved it. She became a skydiving freak. You know, (laughs) we have a teacher, I don't think you have him, but a teacher named Mr. Waddell who is an actual skydiving freak. (laughs) Like, he's addicted to skydiving. Really? Oh, yeah. He'll talk about all the time, during the summer especially, he'll go, like, maybe twice a month, two, three times a month. Like, he goes a lot. Wow. And skydives. He's just addicted to it. I guess it is one of those things where it's like an adrenaline rush where you can get addicted to it like that. And he absolutely loves it. I, on the other hand, would never, ever want to do it. All right. I know. You're so scared of heights. Have you ever been on a plane? Yeah. Yeah, I've been on a plane before. I've just, I've never jumped out of a plane. But you don't ever want to go on a plane again. I don't like flying. No, I don't. I don't enjoy it. See, I like flying and I like roller coasters. So Roller coasters are fine. I don't like flying. It, It bothers me. The thing I don't like about flying is that I am very aware that there's nothing underneath me but, when, when that plane's in the air. But there is. It's the plane. But you, I can feel the lack of gravity. What? I can feel it. I can feel the lack of, of pull of gravity. But there is not a lack of pull of gravity. You're, you're standing in the plane. Your feet are touching the floor. That's gravity. But you... Okay, whatever. I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but you, there's a difference... In the way you feel in your body from being on the ground and being in the air. Being yeah, that high in I, the air. I think that has something more to do with, like, pressure, but sure. I'll put some pressure on you. <laughs> do you know the four fundamental forces that act on a plane in motion? No, Professor. Enlighten me. This is the, the this is lesson one of flying. All right. Do you, you don't know? I don't. For, for reals? For real, I don't. Okay, I'm just asking because sometimes you play dumb. Are you calling me dumb? I'm not calling you dumb. I'm saying sometimes you pretend not to know things for the show. And I want people to know how brilliant you are. Okay, yeah, you caught me. I know. Okay. But you should still enlighten the audience. Okay. It is gravity, which pulls the plane down, obviously. The opposite of that is lift, which, you know, lifts the the plane up. It's the pressure underneath the the wing. Thrust, you know, the the plane going forward, and drag. Those are the four fundamental forces that act on a plane in motion, all opposites of each other. In order for a plane to fly... Lift must exceed gravity, and thrust must exceed drag. Okay. So that's how it goes. So. Yeah. That was 90210. And going forward with 90210, just so you all know. So you all know. We are going to continue to view the um, the season one, but we're going to be releasing separate tapes. Yeah, that's right. So, um, we're good because we're going to be talking about some new stuff that's coming out. Yeah, in we'll, the fall. we'll so. hand out the tapes on, on different days, but the tapes will be just 90210. Yeah. Continuing from where we're at right now in season one through to, you know, hopefully the end. Now, we'll catch up a little bit during summers. Right. So, it'll, it depends on how, how many breaks they take for holidays and. And things like that, and it depends on how many more seasons 90210 ends up going. But maybe we'll catch up to to where it's actually at yeah. in, in reality at some point. I don't know. We'll see. But either way, we'll be going from this one. And I, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to do some creative editing because I have a double tape deck. So I'm going to try to take some of the tapes that we've done so far and just record the 90210 parts on a different tape so I can have a whole tape collection of just 90210 stuff. 
So hopefully from from episode one to to you know where we're at now. Right. So so if you love nine hundred two one zero, then you will love this uh, new venture. And if you're sick of nine hundred two one zero, congratulations. We're going to be talking about some other stuff now. Right. But speaking of other stuff that we're talking about, we watched a movie. It was really good. Yeah, we've watched Airheads. What did you think, Carol, of I, Airheads? I really liked it. I mean, it's it's like a super dumb movie, but hello, yeah. Airheads. I mean, that they're it's kind of supposed to be dumb. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that don't make logical sense in the movie. But it's a good movie. It's I mean, funny. It, it's 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 amusing, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. What did you think? I mean, I loved it. So, Brendan Fraser, who we've We've covered this year already and with honors. Yep. He's in the movie and he plays the star Chaz. <laughs> Basically, the movie is about these three guys that are in a band. The band members are Brendan Fraser, uh, some guy, oh, what's his name? Oh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Adam Sandler from Saturday Night Live and... Steve Buscemi, that's the other guy. Oh, okay. He's been in a couple things here and there. I'm not super familiar with him, but, you know, he's been in a, a couple of things here and there. Weird looking guy. He anyway, is weird looking. Anyway, so. They're all weird looking in this movie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Brandon Fraser is nice looking as always, but it's weird to see him with long hair. You know what's weird? His name is still Brendan. <laughs> and you called him Brandon. I think someday we should have a, a son and name him Brendan, and then I'll just call him Brandon and just mess him up. We should try to get Jason Priestley and Brendan Fraser on the show so we can have Brandon or Brendan. Maybe yes. we could play a game where we where it's Ooh. Brandon, Brandon or Brendan, and we'll do quotes. We'll do quotes from nine hundred two one zero. And quotes from Brendan Fraser movies. I like it. And well, I'll, I'll I'll pit it to you, Brandon or Brendan. That sounds awesome. All right, maybe we'll do that next week. <laughs> so anyway, so they're they're in a band called the Lone Rangers. Yeah, which the DJ actually points out at one point how stupid that is too. DJ played by Hollywood veteran character actor Joe Mantegna. I think that's how he says his name. Sure. Anyway, so they they run he runs Rebel Radio. Michael McKeon is in the the movie the movie as well. He plays the executive or the the head of the the or the radio station. And then Judd Nelson is in the movie as well. He plays Jimmy Wing, who is a uh, executive at the. The records, record studio. Yeah, we talked about him earlier this year too when we rented Breakfast Club. Yep, it was really uh, interesting to see him look so different. Oh yeah, and, and have such a different attitude because yeah. he's he's the man, right. quote unquote, in this movie. Yep, and then the other one is Kramer from Seinfeld. That was hilarious is too to see him. He is all about the physical comedy. Like it was kind oh, of like sure. seeing Kramer, yeah, in this movie. It wasn't like a different character in any way. So they're, the whole point of this film is they're trying to get their they want to get a record contract and they're trying to get their their song heard by a lot of people. They go to a concert with this band that got some airplay on. Uh, I think it's KPPX Rebel Radio <laughs> and. They they have this big concert now, and they um they ow he's throwing things at me abuse. They said that you know they they shouted out KPPX because of that, and so Chaz comes up with the idea: we need to get on the radio and and have people hear us. That way, we'll get a record deal. So they break into the studio. I mean, not, they don't like kick it down. Now, this is when we see how, how not brilliant they are mm -hmm. initially. Because they tried to use their ATM card to. Their what? Their ATM card. 
Oh, their bank card, yeah. Their bank card. They put it in the door lock and used the pin. Like, that's going to unlock a door. Yeah, I know. It's so stupid. Like, what the fuck? But anyway, so this blonde woman comes out. She's having a cigarette. And which you pointed out is sort of weird that she can't smoke in the in the office. And then I pointed out to you that like a lot of you can't like you can't smoke in hospitals usually like in hospital rooms. Mm -hmm. There's little areas you can smoke in hospitals, but you can't smoke around the patients. And it's for for similar reasons at an actual studio because the smoke will damage the equipment. Right. And, you know, I was thinking, too, this is California, so it probably makes sense that, like, they would just go out. It's not California? Yeah, it's California. So it probably makes sense that they would just go out to the roof. I mean, I guess. Sure. Because it's nice? Yeah. Because, I mean, even in the winter, it's still nice enough to go outside. I mean, in Michigan, they'd have a room. They'd have the basement. They'd have somewhere else they would go. They wouldn't be going out on the roof. Yeah, probably probably studio, like, uh, record studio, um... Uh, radio stations in Michigan. I mean, I, I've never, I've never worked in one, but I'm gonna guess that yeah, there's probably some some room in the basement to go to, right, away from the equipment because people aren't going outside in January, right. But anyway, so she opens the door. They end up being able to snag the door open, and they get in. So they talk to the the DJ guy, Joe Montagna, and. He puts them on the air to just talking to them. Yeah. Yeah, because he sees that this makes sense, that people are going to want to hear it. It's something interesting. Yeah. So the guy, the station manager, Mike McKe Michael McKeon, he comes in and says, hey, you know, what are you doing? Get this guy off the air. And he says, I get three minutes to, to do talk, you know, fill a talk. I can do whatever I want during that time, basically. And they start having an argument on the air. And Michael McKeon insults Steve Buscemi's character, mm -hmm. who gets pissed off, and pulls out an Uzi. Now, <laughs> it's foreshadowed, I mean like five seconds before this, but it's foreshadowed earlier in the film. He works at, it looks like it's supposed to be Toys R Us, something like that, a toy store. Right. And he has stolen a lot of things from the store over the years. And he's got a bunch of guns, and these guns were banned for be looking too realistic. And they do look kind of realistic, but they're water pistols. And he had it in the bag. I don't know why he brought them in the bags. I yeah. mean, it's almost like he planned that they might have to do this. That's true. It's so weird. I didn't think about that. But so they think they're being held at gunpoint. Yeah. And they basically they take everyone hostage. Now this is going out over the radio still. Right. They're still on the air. Yeah, which didn't even occur to them at first either. It's like, they've got everybody sitting around the table, they got people on the floor, and then he's like, are we still on the air? Yeah. So everyone's hearing it, the police start coming. Michael Richards, who's, you know, a junior executive or whatever at this place, he sees what's going on and he starts climbing in like the air ducts. And everything, and that's what you were talking about with the physical comedy. He's yeah. like, he's like commando crawling on the ground and rolling around and all this stuff. And, and yeah, it's very funny. Like it's a lot of funny physical comedy. I mean, it, and he does that that kind of like that shrugging, like he's almost like having a seizure kind of thing a couple times, kind of like Kramer. Yeah, yeah. There's and there's one point where he spills something on his his coat. And he lights a lighter to look at what it is. And it says flammable liquid. On right. <laughs> and he does the this like big jerk back like like Kramer would do and, and kind of blows out the lighter. Yeah. So he finds a phone and calls the police. Now outside there is Winston Zettermore from the Ghostbusters, or Ernie Hudson himself, and Chris Farley. They're the two police people. Like mm -hmm. uh Winston's in charge and Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live, who's very funny in this movie. Yeah. He, he does he he's also very good with, with the the looks on his face mm -hmm. and he does he does some more not as overt physical comedy as Michael Richards is doing, but some physical comedy with just like I said, just looks and dead deadpan looks and, and on his face and everything. And he has some some very funny lines in this too. He's yeah. very good. Very good. 
He is very funny. But, so they're the two out there, and then this asshole from the SWAT team comes in, basically saying that he's going to shoot the whole place up or whatever. Right. And Winston Zettermore's like, hey, you know, how about how about we cool it a little bit? Let me talk to him. We're in the middle of negotiations. And so then they start negotiating, and the big thing that they want, obviously, is airplay. Mm-hmm. But they figure they'll start making demands for for anything they can think of, because... It, they'll be able to plead insanity. Yeah, they're such fucking idiots. So they ask for naked pictures of B. Arthur and... A giant baby bottle. Yeah, just a bunch of weird stuff. Which they would never get. Never, the police ever. Would, oh, the police would say... They'd say, oh yeah, we're on it. We're, it's going to take a while. We're going to get it. They would just say that over and over again. Right. But they would never deliver anything to them. Never. They, their job is to make them realize that they're not getting anything. And that they might as well just come out. That this is not going to work out the way they want it to work out. And it, sometimes it takes a while to get there, but that's a negotiator's job. Is to, without coming out and saying it, make the, the, the perpetrator realize that. That you don't have any choice but to come out. Right. But yeah, so... They're, they also, they, he, he has a reel-to-reel tape, which... Doesn't work because it's only set up for CDs and cassettes. Which is weird. It is really weird because, see, first of all, I mean, okay, it's a radio station, so I guess they've got a lot of money, but I can't imagine that there's, they have a huge collection of CDs. I mean, maybe they do. CDs haven't been around for that long. Well, it sure seemed like they had a huge collection of CDs. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, later it does for yeah. sure. But I guess more cassettes than anything else, but you would think that, the sound of a cassette playing over the microphone over the radio would sound like crap. Yeah, but I mean, think. what else? I mean, I don't know if reel-to-reel tape really sounds better. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly how radio stations are all set up. But anyway, so they can't play that. Well, they they do have one somewhere. That's where they get the other hostages involved, basically. But it breaks. It destroys the cassette. So And somebody who was smoking around the equipment... Yeah. Left the cigarette in the ashtray, and that started burning the tape, too. Yeah, exactly. So it is gone. So they've got to call his girlfriend, who he got into a fight with at, at the beginning of the movie. Right. She had just kicked him out. He was going to go live with these other two guys. Yeah. So they've got to call her and try to find her. Now, she's not answering her phone. So, you know, she's she's so he says she's not at home. It yeah. goes to the, to the answering Answer machine, machine, and he says, well, she's out for the night. So you got to go find her. Yeah, and he says to try... Oh, so it's some club. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Yeah, but the, like basically the hot spots in Los Angeles. Right. So Chris Farley gets the job of going to look for her. He does end up finding her, but it doesn't matter because she doesn't go with him anyway. Right. She drives off and she's listening to the radio and, and Chaz is on the radio mm-hmm. saying... Hey, you know, we really need this tape. Come help us out. Blah, blah, blah. I'm I'm an idiot and everything. So she goes and finds this tape, which she threw out of the car, which has been peed on, yeah. run over. Just everything that can happen in L.A. has happened to this tape. It is a mess. So, so. She, she brings it to the station. And, yeah, you can take it from here. So she brings it to the station, and, like, they get in another argument because of the state of the tape. Because she had literally thrown it out of the car. I mean, like, she was obviously pretty pissed at him, but, I mean, that was a shit move. Especially with how quickly they forgive each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, I really thought she has to be done with him, but apparently not. No. Um, And when they get in this other huge fight, she gets so mad, she picks up a chair... And throws it through the frickin' glass and breaks the whole recording studio equipment. Yeah. Yep. The whole thing, they can't, they can't play the tape, they can't do anything. Yeah, the board's destroyed. So, they end up getting a actual record deal with Judd Nelson? Is yeah. that his name? Well, what happens first is, and this is funny, they... Harold Ramis shows up, which is a great cameo from... From the great Harold Ramis, also from Ghostbusters. So I'm thinking there must there's some Ghostbusters connection here. I don't know. But Harold Ramis shows up and says that he's a record producer that's going to get them a record deal. He loves their sound, all this stuff. And so 
He says, okay, well, how about a test? And he says, in the in the big Van Halen, uh, David Lee Roth split, whose side did you take? David Lee Roth or Van Halen? And he says, Van Halen. <laughs> and Joe Montana says, he's a cop. <laughs> Which is the best because, you know, I, I'm on David Lee Roth's side, obviously. Uh, and I think anyone that, you know, Van Halen sucks after, after David Lee Roth left the band or got kicked out of the band. Okay, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna be really honest. I didn't get the joke because I have no idea about what 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 you're talking about. So back in 1985, 84, 85. Okay. Van Van Halen was sort of like riding high. David Lee Roth was their lead singer. David Lee Roth went on went he made a solo album, and he talked to the band. They all talked to each other and said, you know, basically. What happened was, is Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen and Alex Van Halen and Michael Anthony, which were the other three members of the band, basically went on TV and said, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're broke, we're broken up now. David, David Lee Roth's not part of the band anymore. And we're, we're going to look for a new singer. Eventually they picked Sammy Hagar. But David Lee Roth was blindsided by everything. He was... I, he was doing a signing and everything like that. And I remember he said that when he finally spoke out about it, he said, you know, I'm just I, I'm just sitting here in my hotel and I turn on MTV and I see Van Halen's breaking up all this stuff. He's like, I, I, you know, I see this and it, it's amazing. He's like, I thought I was I was going to go on a short, short tour for the summer. Well, we took a break. And then we come back together, we make another album, you know, everything's copacetic. But, you know, now, now, you know, this is going on. And he says, and, you know, I don't think the fans should have to make a choice. Van Halen's on on TV all the time demanding that fans make a choice. You know, David Lee Roth or, or Van Halen. Van Halen, David Lee Roth. He says, I don't think fans should have to make a choice, but... But I'll tell you, if they want, uh, if they want a war, that's fine. I, you know, and he says, I'll, uh, you know, uh, if he wants, uh, this, then, then I'll eat him up. I'll eat him and smile. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and so that's, and then it, the second album that he released is called Eat Him and Smile. <laughs> and so that was kind of what happened. Basically, Eddie Van Halen started dating Va- Valerie Bertinelli and, they didn't want to go on tour anymore. Now, a lot of people accuse David Lee Roth of being too immature and things like that. But basically, Eddie didn't want to tour anymore. David wanted to tour. He thought that, you know, helped them, that that their live shows, the, those concerts were big for them. But Eddie didn't want that life anymore. He didn't want to be on the road and stuff anymore. He wanted to slow down. Yeah. And he built a studio in his in his house. You know that he that he shared with Valerie Bertinelli and everything, and that's he wanted to be there most of the time. So you know, David was basically like, I, it's according to him anyway, he was he was like, well, we can record albums here. You know, I'm going to go on my solo tour and everything and stuff like that. And then they just, you know, they had a meeting without him basically and said he's out. And they, wow. then they never told him. It's pretty crappy. Yeah. So. That was that's the basic Van Halen David Lee Roth split. Okay, and so yeah, it's most people I think that like that like music would say that the David Lee Roth years are much much better than the Sammy Hagar years. Okay, but as, as Harold Ramis points out, he said, "Oh, they had a lot of good songs with Sammy." That's a total. That's a judgment call. And so they, he's like, "Give me another one." So he says, "Okay." So, uh, who would win in a fight, Lemmy or God? And he says, Lemmy. And he says, wrong. And then he says, God. And he goes, trick question, Lemmy is God. <laughs> and then, they, and then they, they throw him out. And it turns out he is a cop. But then later, Jimmy, Pal- Jimmy Wing comes down from Palantine Records and says that he's interested in signing them. He wants them to play the tape for him. They go and get a, a thing to play it on. Now, they didn't actually play it, but they start signing the record deal. 
She's like, I want to sign you guys and everything. And then he gets all pissed off and he's like, oh, you haven't heard our, our, our song yet. You know, a day ago, you wanted me to kick me out of my office and everything. Now you want to sign this thing. He's like, he's, he's questioning all this stuff. He's like, you don't even care about our, our music or like our music. But as I pointed out, who cares? Yeah. Like, no executive. I mean, it's, it's naive to think. That the executive, and maybe this isn't the way the business should be, should be structured. Maybe it should be structured to where people that actually love music are in charge of it and everything. I don't know. But the way the business is structured, no executive is sitting there thinking, hey, I dig this sound. Right. This is, maybe that's the way it used to be, but that's not the way it is anymore. No. People, people think, okay, I can market this. I can sell this. People might like this. I can package this. This can make money. That's all this Jimmy Wing guy is thinking about. Right. And what what Brendan Fraser needs to think is, okay, he thinks he can market us good. Now I'll have faith in myself that this will bring my music. It will. It will. It will allow it a venue for many people to hear it, and I'm confident enough that they'll like it. And that's what will continue our career. It doesn't really matter what your break is. Just take whatever opportunity comes to you. What matters is, is if you stay true to yourself and your own vision artistically, and if people embrace that or not. That's what matters. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's what I think is weird about it. But anyway, so they get, they kind of get, you know, into, like, talked into a corner. And they sign the deal anyway. And he says, oh, we got an army of lawyers. You're not going to serve any time for this or anything. And he says, we're going to do a concert because we can't play the tape. So we're going to do a concert. Right. So he gets a stage. Airlifted. Airlifted <laughs> yeah. stage. The cops do all this stuff for whatever reason. <laughs> they airlift the stage and, you know, they assemble it. They've got the equipment, the the instruments and everything. They come out to play and no no power. No power to their guitars, no power to the drums, nothing. And Jimmy says, oh, the amps, they're just props. We're going to play the tape because this is how we sync it in editing in post-production. You can't do it live. It's hard to, it's too hard to, to sync the music up that way. Speaking of the tape, though, like, apparently we decided that it can play. Like, yeah. They weren't even sure that it could play. Yeah, but now it can play. So, but they don't want to do this. They don't want to lip sync. And he's like, everybody does this with 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 music videos, which I'm sure is true. Yeah, makes sense because because it does m- make more sense if if you have the audio track is separate from the video track and everything, and then you can you can cut things the way that you want it. And because here's the thing, so I know a little bit about audio and video editing, especially having to do what we do here. Uh, you know, with these tapes and making sure everything comes out right. Uh huh. So when something is together, you've got one source where it's audio and video together. Then anytime you cut, you're cutting both the audio and the video. Okay. So it all has to match together. Right. And when, like, let's say you want to cut a little bit of audio out just to, just to someone stutters, someone makes a mistake or whatever. And you want to cut that out and then join it to something else so it sounds like a smooth transition. Now the video is, you're going to notice giant jump in, right, the, in that the video. Makes sense. Because everything is together. When things are separated, when the audio is a separate track from the video, then you can cut those things separately and, and piece them together in a way that looks smooth all the way around. Okay. So that's why he wants to do it that way. But anyway, they don't want to do that, so they protest and they end up going to jail. They still only serve three months in jail. See, I think, I mean, because, you know, they still have the contract, as you can see. They, they put on a concert in jail. Right. I think they still had the army of lawyers. I mean, I... So you I, think he was just like he didn't care? What? What do you mean? The Jimmy Palantine, or whatever, Jimmy Jimmy Wing. No, I don't think that he didn't care. I'm just saying... I, they, I think that because they signed the contract, because he was going to get the money, he still set them up with the lawyers. It's just that the lawyers are not going to make them serve no time. They did a lot of wrong. Oh, okay. So you think that they still have that contract then? 
Yeah. Okay, so the way that the movie made it look is it made it look as if if they didn't play, then they then he was going to back out of the deal. Yeah, but I mean... But you don't think he did. I you, don't think he did, no. Yeah. And, and I said to you, he shouldn't because this is their brand. Their brand is, we're not corporate chills, we're, we're, we're the real deal, we're down to earth, we're just like you, we're rock and roll, you know, that's... Right. Like, that's their... the that, And that brand would sell. And I think that, like you said, too, that it was a better music video anyway. They, what they just did was destroyed the stage. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, then you've got, you know, the video live from prison where they're playing. I mean, yeah, they're definitely going to sell. Absolutely. So th- it would be stupid to back out of the deal. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. We, we don't see it, but offstage, maybe his bosses came down and offstage and they were like, hey, you know, you're being an idiot. We're definitely keeping this, these guys. Maybe. But anyway, so yeah, that was that was Airheads. Uh, very enjoyable. So what did you have? Did you have any standouts, standout moments, standout performers? Anything that kind of stood out to you as far as the movie goes? Uh, well, it was interesting to me to see Adam Sandler as this character. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, just he plays dumb very well. He has that vacant expression now. Oh yeah, for sure. And um it was it was funny to watch like the interaction between him and the secretary who, you know, we totally skipped over the fact that he ends up, you know, getting laid during <laughs> this um Oh yeah, that's where, right. Yeah, the secretary and him are on the couch and he's like literally saying, "Help me." It was kind of funny. I've never seen her in anything else either. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think she looks familiar to me either. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, just seeing, just seeing Judd Nelson in a different kind of role was cool to me. Um, but I just, I enjoyed the whole, the whole thing, the whole rock and roll, like, I don't know. It, it was a good movie. Yeah. So Adam Sandler, you know, obviously I've seen him on Saturday Night Live. That's pretty much all I know him from. And he's, I don't see him do a lot of stuff on Saturday Night Live. Like he's. I guess he's becoming a little bit more uh, of a player on there, but I, I haven't seen him do, do a ton on there. But, yeah, it was interesting to see him. It was interesting to see Kramer in a movie. Yeah, that that was interesting. Yeah, and I like Joe Montana. Brendan Fraser's always good yeah. in everything that he does. And, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I Like you said, it was it was a dumber movie. Premise wise, there were a lot of things that if you step back, you know, you'd say, this is stupid. This would never happen in real life, blah, blah, blah. But comedies, unlike a lot of other genres, have a get out of jail free card when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because as long as the movie has an internal consistency, as far as like the rules of the world go, and as long as it's funny... That's really all that matters. Yeah. I mean, you can probably push it a little too far, maybe, but it's hard in, in a comedy because if it's a funny joke and if it succeeds as a joke, then, you know, it, it basically, it, that for, that's, that's, all sins are forgiven at that point. Yeah, I agree. Even though it's completely unrealistic. It was still funny, so it works. But I would definitely check it out. I would recommend it. I I assume you would recommend it, too? Yes. So, uh, that is our show for the day. We will end this episode, as we end every episode, with our blockbuster pick of the week. Carol, this week, we've got some stuff coming to Blockbuster, let me tell you. So, The Sandlot. Meh. Which we talked about before, I believe. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Rookie of the Year, which came out last year, and it's a Gary Busey movie. Ugh, I don't love it that much. It's so weird. But Disney Disney has got, or not Disney, uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Warner Brothers are releasing some, some stuff to video that has never uh, come out before oh. as part of different collections. So there's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Black Stallion, a Christmas story. So now you could watch. We could rent this and watch this on Christmas. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, Christmas story is one of the ones that my my family loved when when I was really young. 
Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, let's see. Spencer's Mountain, The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, coming to... That's a Warner Brothers coming to uh, Family Collection. So that's that's good. Uh, the original Superman, which is a great movie. Great, great movie. Never Ending Story 2. The next chapter. Now, if the story never ended, <laughs> how is there a part two? Well, I mean, it could just be part two in the continuing saga. And Crocodile Dundee. Hmm. Paul Hogan. Cool. And Linda Kozwalski. <laughs> so that's what's coming to Blockbuster. I recommend, I don't know, check out Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I recommend Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. I agree. At Christmas Story, too. I recommend yeah. that. Check that out. But, but, Maybe maybe wait till closer to Christmas. So anyway, that is our show for the week. As always, tell friends about the show. Spread the word for us. And, uh, you know, all the other stuff that we tell you to do. Anything else you got, Carol? Late Fee 1994 at AOL.com. All right. Sounds good. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.